right, last week launched this series called House of Joy. Joy is thought of as an emotion, right? That was that really, realistically, it was a great movie that came out a few years ago for kids, but it was for everybody really called Inside Out. The actual characters are emotions and Joy was the main character. I like that Joy was the main character. Uh, joy is an emotion. However, for the believer, it is also something the Holy Spirit produces in our life. That's why Galatians 5.22 calls joy one of the fruits of the Spirit. Fruit is the product, the produce that comes from different trees, bushes, and vines. Well, we are living beings filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the things the Holy Spirit produces is joy. And for a believer, he does not just produce joy in the summer season or the spring season. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit that according to Psalm chapter 1, the believer can produce at all times, every moment of every day and every season. The world's joy comes and goes. The world's joy comes when there's fill in the blank, enough money in the bank, everything's going right, kids have good attitudes, right? They're not back talking, I can have joy that day, right? But for the believer, whether we're having to discipline a child, whether we're having to believe for finances to come in, whether we're having to believe for healing and even stand through some of the hard circumstances that come at us in life, we can experience joy every moment of every day. It is a promise. And if we are not, then it's simply an invitation to come a little further up and further in with the Lord right? It's the invitation to go a little further with him and our relationship with him. The Lord will never give you a word to condemn you, right? If we hear a word from, from, from the Lord, if it's from the Bible, if it's from a pastor, and I, I can't speak for every pastor, but from the good ones, it's not supposed to condemn you and say you're dirt, you're messing up, you're falling short. No, it's an invitation because God is no respecter of persons. This word is not just for the super believers or the super Christians. No, no, every person who has said yes to Jesus, when the, a word like this is preached, and, and maybe our thought is, well, I'm not experiencing joy in every season. It's not condemnation. It is an invitation. It is the Lord pointing out, look, here's an open door. All you have to do is walk through it. And there's no, there's no, uh, there, there's, there's, there's no, what's the word here? Requirements except for to believe in Jesus on our best day when we're walking above the standard, when we haven't had a bad thought all day, we haven't, we haven't told one person where they can go in traffic, right? We haven't, we haven't gotten upset at one person at work. The stuff that usually bothers us is just water off our back. The kids are fighting and instead of acting like me when I wanna jump in and fuss at them, I'm like Lisa and she's like, oh, they'll work it out, they'll be fine. They're both alive and breathing, right? The days that we've done things right, the door is open and we can walk in joy. The days when we fall into those things that sometimes get in our way, and we've said yes to fear, anxiety, or we've said yes to strife, we've said yes to, to anger, we've said yes to lust, we've said yes to whatever those things are that face us, the door is still open. And let me tell you, on the other side of that door, there's not a God wagging his finger saying, just come on over here, do this open door and, and let me tell you what, well, no, there's a God who says, I will welcome you into my presence anytime you come to my courts. Come to my courts with thanksgiving and praise 
Be bold because he's not there to condemn us. He's the father in the story of the prodigal son that runs out to meet the son. I mean, that wasn't in my notes. This, this story is not on my notes, but I just feel led to give a little, a, a little part of this story of the prodigal son is he did not come home because he was repentant and upset about what he did. If you read the story of the prodigal son, he came home because he was hungry. And he thought, even the servants in my father's house have better food to eat than this pig slop I'm rolling around in. And he wasn't even trying to go home as a son. He was trying to go home even just as a servant to get some good food. Yet the father ran out to him, embraced him, and without hearing one word from the son, put his ring, his own ring on the son's hand and said, look, you are still my son. Wear my robe. You are honored here in your home where he thought he was going to be rejected. And that's how so many of us get. We, we, we've done our own thing. We've made our mistakes. We've gone our own way. And we're expecting God to welcome us back, maybe, Right? Some of us think he's going to reject us. There's another level where we're like, well, I know God won't reject me, but what he will do is give me a stern talking to. Right? He'll let me back into his presence, but I know he's not going to bless the things I'm putting my hand to. I'm in a bad place. I know he's not going to be happy with me. Right? But that's not what the story says. And don't forget who told the story. It was Jesus. God in the flesh is the one who told that story. And he said, no, you come back to me before you can even get to the steps. I'm going to run to meet you and let you know that you are welcome and wanted here on your worst day and in the middle of your biggest failure. When we remember that, man, joy will begin to be produced in our life at all times when you know you're not rejected, but you are loved. We were in Psalm chapter one last week. We're going to be in Psalm chapter one again today. This is probably one of my it is definitely one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Last week, we only got through the first verse. I'm going to read this passage, give you a very quick summary of the first verse, and then we are going to jump right into verses 2 and 3. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Oh, the joys. There's that word. That's what this series is about. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. This is what we got to last week. I broke down each one of these phrases. The joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked basically means don't think like the world. The joys of those who don't think like the world thinks. However, you can be a believer and still think like the world thinks. The next line, don't stand around with sinners. Standing is an action. That word sinners means People with negative actions. So what this means is the joys of those who don't act like the world, act like sinners. You might sin, but if you're a believer, you're not a sinner. You are a saint bought by the blood of Jesus. God looks at you and he sees you the exact same way he saw Jesus. We might sin, we might fall short, right? All have fallen short of the glory of God. That is not where that verse ends though. It keeps going and it says, but according to Jesus now, we are made right with God. Don't stop at the bad news. People like to stop and say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you read bad news in the Bible, it's called good news. That means you haven't read the whole thing or you're taking something out of context. Keep reading because the whole story is about bad news becoming good. 
That's what you're going to find on the first page of Genesis. Somebody messed up, yet God made a way for there still to be good news within that mistake. So we've all sinned and fallen short. However, because of Jesus, we are made right in the sight of God. We are not sinners, even if we sin. We are saints. God sees us as pure and holy. The third line, join in with mockers, the joys of those who don't join in with mockers. The word mockers is about outcome. It's someone that's just sitting there and, and the outcome of their life is mocking things and, and it's about teaching. So this is saying here, you might be a believer. However, if you think like the world, you're gonna act like the world. And if you act like the world, you will get the outcome the world gets. If you notice that you are responding to situations the way everybody on the news is responding to situations, I'm just going to be bold and say you're acting like the world, right? There might be some good Christian news networks that, that talk about faith instead of fear and things like that. But uh, if you're acting like the world, you're thinking like the world. I always tell this story, but I, I ended up in a propane line before a big hurricane came our way. My father-in-law saw me and pointed out that I don't even have anything that uses propane. He said, why are you in this propane? I said, we need propane. I mean, there's, there's a hurricane coming and uh, we'll need this. He's like, you won't. You don't even have anything that uses it. But you know what? In that moment, I heard a report and I thought like the world, not like a man of faith. And I ended up in a propane line. Maybe I was thinking I'd sell it. I mean, you know, I can't say all my thoughts are pure. You need propane? It's $100 a ounce. I don't know how you measure propane. <laughs> it's probably not in ounces. Either way, I've fallen to this more times than I can count. I'm sure we all have. It's not, I'd love for, and this can become a lifestyle, but even lifestyle starts with moments, moment by moment. If we think like the world, we'll act like the world. If we act like the world, the outcome of our life will be just like the world. And that's verse one. Today, I want to focus on verses two and three. So let's just jump into that. You ready? So the ones who don't follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Here we go. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. We can stop there for one second. That word planted is not... Uh, the word planted is, 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 is actually the word transplanted. It's, it's translated plant in our English Bible, but the word is transplanted. So it gives you the picture of a tree that's already been planted, already grown some somewhere else, being uprooted and replanted by the water. Doesn't that sound like salvation? We're all born into sin. We're all born into a world that we are in but not of. And when we receive Jesus, we are born again. We are then transplanted from wherever we were born into a place by the water where we can bear fruit each season, right? We can bear joy. We can have joy in every season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. You know, leaves wither because they lose water. In the winter, trees need to store more water in their bark and their in the, in the trunk and the branches so the water doesn't make it all the way to the leaves. They wither and they fall. However, when there is an endless supply of water for this tree, these leaves will have no reason to wither and this fruit will have no reason to stop being produced. For the believer, we can live that way. 
But remember how the first verse talks about our thoughts, our actions, and our outcome. Read this again. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating, thoughts, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, bearing fruit, actions. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, outcome. So for the believer, if we think like the world, we act like the world, we get the outcome of the world. But if we think and meditate on what the Lord says and we think like he thinks, our actions will line up with who we are, not in this world, but in Christ. And when our actions are built around who we are in Christ, the outcome, this is good news, guys, we will prosper in all we do. And that's actually really, really good news. Now, the word prosper there might not be exactly what you're thinking. We're going to get to that. Now, don't get me wrong. It does mean to prosper. However, there's a lot within that. If we don't get to that today, that could be next, week, next week's entire message. But here's where I want to start with our thoughts. So I don't want to leave you hanging. If you left church last week and you're like, well, I, th- I, might, I do think like the world. I do act like the world. My outcome is like the outcome of the world. Don't, don't lose heart. This is an invitation to make a difference in your life today. This is how we do things differently. Here's how we can change the actual way we think. Some of you have been through this in different areas. If you have ever uh, decided to get healthy and changed your lifestyle, added exercise to a lifestyle where there was no exercise, added a healthy diet to a lifestyle where there was a negative diet. If you stuck, stuck with these decisions and changed your lifestyle, let me tell you, it started with how you thought. It started with how you thought about your life. You maybe woke up one day with some aches and pains, some bad feelings, and you might have had a thought. You know what? I'm ready to get healthy. I'm not made to feel aches and pains and bad things every day. I'm made to feel good. My body's a blessing. God gave me a body. I should take care of it. You changed the way you thought, and you got serious about health. Or maybe you looked in the mirror and you thought, man, I need to lose some weight. You changed the way you thought about food. I'm not feeling good. This is not staying on my body the way I want it to. I need to make a change. It started with how you thought. That came out in your actions, and then the outcome was a good result. It was a positive result. So you'll know exactly these these principles. You've probably applied them to your life before in different ways. But let's start with the word meditate, because they don't stand around with the sinners. They meditate on the law. They don't think like the world. They meditate on the law of God. Meditate and meditating gets a bad rap because so many Eastern religions uh, use meditation for for bad stuff, negative stuff. And and a lot of Christians don't even like that word meditate, but it is a principle that is in the word from the very beginning to the very end. It's actually a biblical principle that the world and other religions has kind of perverted, right? So what does meditate mean? It doesn't necessarily mean whatever the picture you have with the, the humming and the the cross leg stuff and becoming one with whatever. I don't even know much about what the, what the world says about meditation, but here's what the word says about meditation. Okay, this word meditate is, I have a, we might have it to put up here on the screen, but the Hebrew word that was used in this book of Psalms is the word haga or haga, however you say it. But listen to this definition, to murmur in pleasure or anger. By implication, it means to ponder to imagine, 
to meditate, to mourn, to mutter, roar, soar, speak, study, talk, utter. It's a big definition, but I want to focus on a few parts of it. First of all, I love that it means to, to murmur in either pleasure or anger. It, it, it's, man, we all know what it means. If we're thinking about the Lord and we're excited about him, we're worshiping up here, we might murmur a little in pleasure. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. What does the anger come in? If you haven't been angry at the devil lately, then you might, you, you might need to get angry at the devil right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If that doesn't make you angry, you might need a revelation on the goodness of God and the evilness of the devil. He's real. He's out there. He's wanting to steal, kill, and destroy you and your family. Get mad at the devil. Get angry. And if you're not, you might need to pray, Lord, help me to be angry at the devil. Read the story of Jesus. He gets angry a few different times, and it's never at a person or at God. Even when it seems like he's angry at a person, he's speaking to his real enemy, the powers and principalities that are behind that person. It's time to get angry. I'm not, not going to just let the enemy come and steal from my family or steal from my health without being angry, and I'm going to stand on the word. I mean, so you have no right to do this. We're going to come back to that, so keep that, keep that in your heart. We can uh, leave that definition up there here for a few minutes. To murmur in pleasure or anger. To ponder, that's what you might think of. Meditate means to think about. To ponder. I love the word to imagine. We're going to come back to that one. To roar, to speak. To, so it's loud speaking. It's soft speaking. But again, it has to start and it talks about in your mind. Meditation is thinking like the world. This is a, a great picture of this that we get from uh, the Old Testament is a little bit of forced meditation. God shows up to Abraham when he's old man, Sarah's an old lady, and he says, you're going to have descendants. Really? Well, I don't even know that I can have one child. And God says, well, let me tell you, look up in the sky, that many, as many as the stars in the sky, look down at the sand, as many as the sand. That's how many descendants you're going to have. It was forced meditation. Every time Abraham stretched, woke up, pulled the covers back and stepped outside of the tent or the house, he'd look down and he'd see the sand. Oh my gosh, the Lord told me I'd have this many descendants. The sun goes down, you can't see the terrain as well, but you look up into the sky with zero light pollution all these thousands of years ago, and you see millions and millions of stars, and you think, oh my gosh, the Lord told me I'd have this many descendants. Forced thoughts, basically, day and night. God shows up and gives you a picture, you're going to remember it all the time, every day. And it wasn't long after that, he did have a son. And of course, now everybody in this room can be considered a descendant of Abraham. But he had to think about it. Instead of filling up his mind like the world would, I'm too old, uh, I'm, I'm too broken, the time is gone, the time has passed me by, I'm too late. Now you walk out and you think, I'm going to have this many Children, I'm going to have this many children, as many as I can count, higher than I can count. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why it's important to think about the word of God, not just what he speaks to us directly, but even more importantly, this. We got to put this, the Bible, in our heart. We have to know what it says about us. We have to know what God says about us, and it's all right here. In the book of James, it says we know how we look 
physically because we have mirrors. We look in a mirror and we see how we look. The thing about that is you have to trust what the mirror says. You can take a picture of yourself, but you got to trust what the picture says. You've never taken your eyeballs, turned them around and looked at yourself. Your eyes have never seen your actual face. You just trust that what that mirror and what that picture says is true. James says just like that, the Bible tells us who we are in the spirit. And if we don't look into the mirror, the word of God, we won't know. But just like we got to trust those physical mirrors, we got to trust what this says is true. When God says you're going to have as many descendants as you can count, we got to trust that it's true even when it looks like it's not true. When God tells you and I that we're blessed according to his riches and our riches here in the world look like they're running low, we got to trust what he says about us is truer than what anything else says about us. We have to believe that. We walk by faith and not by sight. Once it's in our heart, it's going to begin to come out in the very things we speak. That's why that word haga means to murmur, to speak, to speak loudly, to roar. Sometimes you got to get passionate about it and you got to roar it. You got to speak it out even when you don't feel it. So how do we meditate on the word of God? Well, first we got to read it. We got to know what it says. You got to put it in your heart. And then once you do, you know how you meditate on it? Part of that word meditate is the outcome of what you put in. So we have to take what the word says and then consider it in our daily life. What is your daily life consisting of? Decisions, responses. Instead of being so quick to respond out of whatever it is, right? Our, our humanity. I'm just, uh, you might be one of those people that says things like, well, I just say what I think. Put the brakes on that one maybe, right? I can't help it. I just do what I feel. Just put the brakes down because not everything we feel needs to be done. Not everything we speak needs to be said. And nowadays, just about everything we speak is not only said, it's then posted on Facebook. That's a whole nother thing. Man, you don't want all that stuff posted on Facebook. Man, just ask anybody in Hollywood. You're going back 15, 20 years now and getting canceled for stuff, right? That, that people wrote when they were like 12. So you don't want all that stuff posted. You don't want to say everything you think. It will not go good for you, right? We want to respond based on who we are in the spirit and based on what the word says. So slow down. A righteous man, a righteous woman never gets in a hurry. Just ask Elijah who made his way back to the, to the lady's house and her son came back to life. She, he was dead. He said, how are you doing? She said, all is well. She didn't say, Hurry up, hurry up, my son is gone. No, all is well. He went back to the house and the son came back to life. Ask Jesus. Lazarus was gone. That was his friend. He knew about it. Instead of rushing back to the scene, he kept ministering to people. He got back. And when he got back, the result was the same as it would have been three days before. Lazarus, come forth. And he did. It's time for us to consider who we are in the spirit and what the law, the word of God says before we respond, before we release our own actions. So when a situation comes our way, who am I in the spirit? How would, how would, how do I respond to this knowing that I am the head and not the tail, above and not below? I have authority. I got the same power in me that Jesus had. Consider the word. As you decide how you're going to handle situations, consider the word. When you decide if you're going to, let's bring this into our, our, our personal lives. When you're going to go for a promotion or not, 
Consider what the word says. When you're going to have to make a decision on a relationship, am I going to try and make this work or am I going to just go the other way? Consider what the word says. Am I going to explode in anger at this person when I see them? Or am I going to do what the word says and be the most patient, the most kind? I need to consider who I am in the spirit and what the word says before any response comes from me. You know what it's like responding and acting like the world acts, not knowing what the word says about you and acting upon it. It's like going to court with no knowledge of what the law says whatsoever. It's like going to court without having any type of advocate or lawyer on your side to say, this is your rights. If you don't know your rights, if you don't know the law and you're in court, you are in danger of being accused and convicted of something you may not be guilty of. You got to know what the law says. You got to be able to stand up and say, no, this is my right. And if you don't know, you got to have an advocate on your side. You have an advocate. His name is Jesus. He is on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's given you this word. It's in your hand right now. It's on your phone. It's everywhere. This is so accessible. And this is the law of God. It is the word of God. And it is good news for the believer. Sometimes when you think of law, when you consider the Bible, you might think of do's and don'ts. And well, I've broken this one. I've messed this one up. But for the believer, Jesus said his law is love. He loves you unconditionally. And everything that you could actually be convicted of, he has taken the punishment for. If you don't know the law, you could be convicted of a crime and then receive a punishment somebody has already received for you. Pay a price somebody has already paid for you. If you owe a debt and you can't pay it and you have to go to court, if somebody else goes and pays that debt, do you have no right to be sentenced for that in court? The debt has been paid. It doesn't matter how it happened. I promise you the person you owed it to doesn't care how he gets paid. There's no more crime to convict you of when the price has been paid. But if you don't know it, you're going to go give somebody something they've already received and been paid and actually overpaid for. Jesus took the punishment for your sin. That's what the cross was about. He took it. He took it upon himself. He rose from the dead with the keys of life and death in his hand. And you have been forgiven. You've been bought with the price. And there is no more debt to pay. Man, if you don't know your rights, you're going to let the devil convict you of crimes. The punishment has already been received for. When Judah was born, a lot of you know this testimony, but they brought him into the, to the room for us and said he was deaf in one of his ears. We knew our rights. We knew that the word says that he was not going to be deaf in both of his ears for long if he was at the time because Jesus paid the price for that healing. And we stood on the word. We thanked the nurse for helping our son. We thanked the doctors for all the words they gave. When they left the room, we just sang over our son. We rejoiced. We thanked the Lord for him. We did speak to his ear. We said, open up. We have authority in the name of Jesus. And that was it. We enjoyed our newborn son for the next 24 hours. 
They brought him back and said, well, our test was wrong yesterday. He can hear. We knew our rights, and that's why he can hear. We knew our authority. We knew what the law said. And for that 24 hours, we didn't dwell and think about the report of the doctors and figure out what life was going to be like if we would have to have hearing aids or whatever. Like, we didn't think through all that. We sat there and dwelled and meditated on what the word says. 1 Peter 2, 24, by the stripes of Jesus, he is healed. Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And let's make it personal. And by his stripes, Judah's ear was healed. That's the word we stood on. That's the law that we meditated on. We stood our ground. We stood on our rights because we knew them. And the outcome was he has two good ears. When he don't hear you, it's because he is choosing not to listen. That's what we had to tell. That's what we had to tell, uh, what was her name? Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Chapman in uh, preschool. We had to tell her, listen, he can hear you just fine. There's a lot of times he chooses not to. And that's the case. He's getting better as he gets older. And sometimes, yeah, he's getting better as he gets older. He is really good. He always hears us. Part of that word meditate, when we read it, remember, it also had the word imagine. Man, I love that word imagine. You know, it's in the Bible as well. Uh, I feel like I talk about imagination a lot, but sometimes I do, and people say, I've never even heard that. So here you go. Once again, the word imagine is actually in the Bible in Ephesians 1.18. This phrase that says the eyes of your understanding, it is the phrase that actually is how we translate it was imagination. So the eyes of your understanding, your imagination becomes enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. When you allow your imagination to be filled with the hope of who you are in Jesus, it directs your entire life and your faith in the right direction. And just like Abraham looking up at those stars and down at the sand and remembering the promise that he would have descendants, that hope and his imagination being filled up with that picture led him by faith to that exact moment in time when he held that child of promise. God gave Joseph dreams for him to remember and imagine we use our imagination for more negativity for the most part, most people in the world than what it should be used for. Worry is negative imagination. Worry is you using this powerful tool that you have in your mind, your imagination, where you can somehow think of this miracle. You can somehow close your eyes and see pictures in your imagination. You can imagine scenarios that have never happened. That's called creativity, Right? You might say, I'm not a creative person. You're imagining scenarios and outcomes all day long. You're doing it. It's called worry when it goes to the negative place. But when you allow your imagination to be filled with the hope of who you are in Jesus and what the law, the word of God says, hope is the leader of our faith. Your faith moves and follows your hope. Imagination is such an important tool. And if you use it for worry, you need to turn it around. Reverse it, redirect it, and point that imagination towards the word instead of towards the uh, world or towards the negative. So when a situation comes your way, you gotta know the word and then ask yourself, 
Okay, well, here's what the word says. I'm prosperous. I'm a leader. How would a leader respond to this situation? How would somebody who prospers in what they put their hands to respond to this situation? How would a person with authority respond to this situation? Because there's a difference between the way a person with authority responds to things and the way somebody without authority responds to things. You have authority. How would you respond to the situation if you were a kid whose parent was in charge of the whole thing respond? When my dad was the pastor here, I felt like I could do anything. I felt like I could do anything I wanted here and I could get away with it in the sense that he might get me later, right? But nobody else could, right? He might tell me that I shouldn't be doing something, but at least I felt like nobody else could, right? And if I got in trouble, I knew I'd still be welcome back because my dad had the authority. You got the authority and your dad has more than you could ever imagine. Your father in heaven has the most. So how would I respond to this situation? If instead of me processing this situation, like, well, somebody else is in charge, somebody else, I'm at their, I'm at their discretion. No, no, you have the God on your side. The Bible says if he's for you, who can be against you? He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Fill your imagination up with who you are in the spirit. So how do we become like this tree planted by the water, bearing fruit every season and prospering in all we do. Our thoughts and our meditations should be set on the word. And as we put that into practice and process it in our daily decisions, moment by moment, the outcome of our life will be, we will prosper in all we do and our leaves will never wither. And it could be a daunting thought, right? I have to change everything. Listen, here, let me, let's bring this home. I think I shared this with our men's group on Thursday, but I, I heard my dad over the years speak to several addicts. And when he would talk to them, I heard one guy specifically, he said, ah, my life's different, right? He had an encounter with the Lord and my life's changed. I'll never do this again. I mean, this is gonna sound like, I mean, he was doing drugs. He was, he was smoking crack. He's like, I'll never smoke crack again. I remember my dad saying, that's too far of a thought. Let's bring that a little bit closer. And he said, I'm not gonna smoke crack this year, not again at all this year. And he said, nope. He said, that's still too far away. I'm not going to smoke crack this month in August. No more crack in August. Dad said, no, that's still too far. He goes, this week, I'm not going to smoke crack this week. He said, bring it home. Today was, that day was Sunday. I'm not going to smoke crack on Sunday. And dad said, right now, right now, you're not smoking crack. This is the moment you're making the choice that's different from other choices you made. And when you leave this moment, you're going to make another choice in that moment. That's how far you can think. The Bible says that his word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. That was written thousands of years ago. It's enough to light up maybe one step, right? Look at the moment. In this moment, you're choosing to think like the word, to think like the Lord. You're in the right place at the right time. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of the saints. You haven't. You're here this morning. Right now, your thoughts and actions are lining up with the word. When you leave here, whatever you do next, you go to lunch, even what you choose to eat. Process your decision through who you are in the spirit. Process your decision through who you are and your authority that you have and what the word of God says. In this moment, when your thoughts and your actions line up with who you are in the spirit, your outcome will be what the word says, prospering in all you do. I will touch on this, and then we'll maybe come back to it next week. Well, we've covered thoughts, we've covered actions, so here the outcome 
That's what the word says in, in Psalm chapter two, verses uh, Psalm chapter one, verses two and three. He delights in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. He's like a tree planted by the water, prospers in all that he does. His leaves never wither. So the word prosper, we have this definition up here as well in the Hebrew. I'm not going to try to say it, but it's that word. And it's a word that means to push forward in various senses, literal or figurative, transitive or intransitive. So this covers a large spectrum to break out, come mightily, to go over, be good, be, be profitable. When we put our hand to things, maybe it's a business venture, maybe it's raising a family, maybe it's anything as believers, we usually, because we're humans, have an outcome in mind, right? I'm going to launch a business. It's going to bring income, going to be prosperous, right? Maybe things don't go the exact way you thought they were going to go. Does that mean the word isn't true? I was supposed to prosper when I put my hands to this. Let's look at this definition again to push forward, to be profitable, Man, if you're a sports person and you've experienced hard loss, you heard a coach tell you this loss doesn't have to be a failure. We're going to pick ourselves up like the Miami Dolphins last night. We're going to learn from our mistakes. We are going to become better because of this loss. And then it's not a failure. Then it's not a loss. Also like my Panthers this season. And Pastor Tom's Falcons, they had a couple of, uh, Bitter battles to see who could be in last place this year, our two teams. Hard fault, but we won. Panthers got last place with nothing to look forward to because of it either. Not even one draft pick we're going to be able to get from that season. Uh, that's, that's hard. But if they get the right coaching, they're going to learn from it. They're going to pick themselves up. They're going to move on. If you have ever had that speech you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, let me tell you, your outcome might not always be the outcome you thought. But when you think like the Lord, when you think like who you are in the spirit and what the word says, then that's going to be profitable no matter what. It will push you forward no matter what. Even if the outcome isn't what you want. I, Lisa and I, uh, years ago, wrote this, this a song that we thought was pretty great. And we... Uh, we're having youth group one night, Wednesday night back here. Annalise might have been there this night. Uh, but we, we, we thought, you know what, let's sing this song and let's, let's record it. So we put our brand new iPhone up on a little stand and it was cool. You know, our phones did videos that we thought that was neat. And we sang this song with the youth group. We taught it to them, we sang it. And I thought to myself, YouTube was kind of becoming a thing. And I was like, oh, we're going to upload this and it's going to be a hit. Tomorrow, I'm going to upload this video. Tomorrow, it's going to have 2 million views. We're going to be famous. This video, it's going to do this. It's, it's going to, what's that word again? Viral. It's going to go viral. That's what, you know, years ago, I didn't know what that was. I uploaded that video, and to this day, I checked this week, it has 1,001 views 15 years later. It never went viral. However, let me tell you a story. There used to be a Christian network on cable TV called Inspiration Network. I think it still exists, but I think now it just shows like Little House on the Prairie reruns. Last time I, last time I watched that, that network, it was just a lot of Little House on the Prairie. Like their, Michael Landon's estate is being taken care of by Inspiration Network. At this point, back then they had all kinds of good shows. Andrew Womack, 
one of our uh, mentors and, and heroes was, is, was on INSP and a bunch of other folks. And they're, they're based out of Charlotte or, or Indian land. And we got a phone call from a friend of ours that, that freelanced over there sometimes. And he said, there's a TV show that's being filmed Thursday night and a worship leader just had a call out. Would you and Lisa like to come lead worship on this TV show? And I said, sure. So we did it. Got an awesome band together. Will might've been there that night. I, I can't remember if you were there some of those nights. I don't know if it was that first one. But we led worship on this like live TV show. It was a new TV show they were launching. Like I said, social media was just kind of getting huge. And the idea of the show was it was going to be live. They were going to take live prayer requests from Twitter and Facebook. And we'd worship in between praying for people in real time. Uh, the host would do that. So we, we led worship and I guess they loved us. And that week they sent us a contract and said, would you guys be available to do this on Thursday night? So for the next two years, we had fun. We were on this live TV show on Inspiration Network, leading worship. They wanted our music. So not only we got to play our music, which we also got like residual checks for like our music being played on air. It was great. It was a really good thing for us. Months and months into it, I asked the director or the producer, I said, how did you even find us? And he said, well, you know, our mutual friend Rudy gave me your name. So I looked you up on Google and I saw this little video on YouTube. You only have one video on YouTube. You're sitting in the corner of this little green room. A bunch of teenagers are sitting around you and you're singing this kind of weird song all in a circle. But I watched it and I was like, well, at least they can sing. We're kind of desperate. Let's just get them to come onto the show. And that little video that to this day, he's one of the 1,001 views, led the way to us doing this really cool thing we did for a couple years that we were able to minister to people, minister to the Lord through worship. And it really pushed us forward in things we were called to do. And at the time when I woke up on Thursday and it didn't have 2 million views, I got to admit, I was a little disappointed. But it was a couple years later, I found out how that moment pushed us forward. Because when you think like who you are in the spirit and you act like who you are in the spirit, you process your decisions, your responses through the word, I, I, it's kind of cheesy and a joke at this point, but remember the what would Jesus do bracelets? That's a great question. Why not ask what would Jesus do? He's on the inside of you. You have the capacity to do the exact same stuff. Ask what would Jesus do? Process your thoughts to who you are in the spirit. And then the outcome, even when you don't consider or even when you don't think the outcome is prosperous, even when you see the outcome and you think, well, that's not what I expected. And you got a father in heaven who is turning things in your direction, who's changing things, who's working through what you put your hand to. And it will push you forward. Every decision you make, everything you put your hands to, it will push you forward into the things the Lord is calling you. And how do you know that you're going to like those things? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11, it's going to be good because he has a hope and a future plan for you. He has an expected end planned for you. He has good things planned for you. How do I know I can be headed towards those good things? Well, instead of thinking like the world, worship team can go ahead and come up. Instead of thinking like the world, acting like the world and getting the outcome of the world, I'm going to meditate on his law. First, I got to put it on the inside. Then I have to let it fill up my thoughts. I have to consider it in all my actions and responses. And then my outcome will be what the word says. Even when something appears to be a failure in the natural, 
it will push me forward because he is working through it. Even what looks like a loss in the natural, he will bring prosperity and he will push me forward in that. How many times in your life, even right now, can you look back and see something that you thought wasn't so good push you forward? Even right now, I bet you every one of us can think of a moment like that. It's not because you got lucky. It's not because you're just super smart and turn something negative around. It's because you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the word on the inside of you says you will prosper when you put your hands to something. Man, I could talk story after story. Lisa and I flew to England one time for a meeting with somebody who never showed up to that meeting. We spent three or four days in Manchester not doing what we were there to do and to this day, we look back to those four days in Manchester, England, where they completely directed us onto the path we are on right now. That four days changed our life and what we stopped our lives and invested into to go do never even happened. But it was nothing but a success as we look back on it. And it's not because we got lucky. It's not because of anything other than the word says, when we think like who we are in the spirit, we'll act like it. And when we act like it, that's the result we get. So again, let this, consider this an invitation, not condemnation, not get all down and depressed because I act like all my worldly friends, I'm getting the same results. No, just know that the Lord is saying you can have it different starting not this year, not this week, not this day, this moment. Starting from this moment, you can make different decisions. You can think differently. You know, this whole thing can be summed up by the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 too. He says, renew your mind to the word of God or you will default to thinking like the world thinks. That's the summary. That's the paraphrasing. He says, you have the choice. Think like the world thinks, default to the way the world does it, or on purpose, renew your mind to what the word says. One's a default. Like we will act like the world if we don't on purpose make these decisions, make, make the decision to not act that way. It's not so much an either or. It's like we default one way, but you can make a difference. You can make a change starting right now. Let's respond to the word with some worship. Let's all stand together. Just a few minutes. Let's put our thoughts on him. Let's meditate on who he is right now as we worship. Then I'll, I'll come back up. I'll invite our prayer ministers and I'll close. But don't forget what the theme of this series is. It's about joy. When you understand that your outcomes, even the ones you don't expect to look that way, are pushing you forward. And joy will overflow in every one of those moments. You do not have to be without joy. Amen.